0: welcome to the smiles matter podcast by micro dental laboratories i'm laura kelly and it's my pleasure to host our new series winning strategies for today's dental practice
1: i think that's one of the best things with continuing dental education and the various institutes that are out there you can go to a lot of different institutes that are great but probably one of the most important things that people pull out of it is the lifelong friendships the mentorships, the ability to communicate with people that are like-minded. You have the world at your fingertips that you can ask people that are very similar in age to you, demographics as you, practice style as you, and they're usually going through those same issues and can really be a resource to each other as well.
0: As we reflect over the last few months, we witnessed dental practices face new challenges, pull together as a community, and rebound with high demand. Dentists and dental laboratories showed resilience, commitment, and collaboration to support the needs in and around practices and their patients. Optimism and focus were vital for the rebound. And today, to stay relevant, inspired, and competitive in the ever-evolving dental profession, we need to be willing to assess, adjust, reset our goals, and remain nimble to continuously evolve and reinvent ourselves. Continuing education plays an essential part in a dental professional's pathway to long-term success. And for that reason, I am excited to launch our new series and introduce Mike Gergen, a longtime friend and expert in supporting and driving education platforms over the years. Mike will share his experience and insights as related to education in the dental profession. Mike Gergen is a dental industry veteran with over 25 years of experience. Mike joined the Seattle Study Club in September 2017 as the CEO. Before joining the Seattle Study Club team, Mike has led various commercial teams in the fields of dental implants, orthodontics, laboratories and education. He has a passion for dental education having been involved for over 20 years. Mike is married, has four beautiful daughters and enjoys snowboarding and numerous outdoor activities. And now let's listen to what Mike has to share. Mike, thank you for joining us today.
1: Laura, so happy to be with you and to hear your voice again. It's been way too long.
0: It has been way too long. We need to get together in person after this. Just can't thank you enough for being a part of this new series with us. And I mean, what a great kickoff to uh, be able to interview someone like you with just a really amazing dental career and, and background. And it's always fascinating to me to listen to people and find out how they got introduced to dentistry. Like you, I know you're a perfect example. We've known each other for a long time. You couldn't get out either. Tell me a little bit about how you became interested in dentistry and a little bit about your career path.
1: Yeah, believe it or not, when I actually graduated from college, I answered a classified ad for a marketing position at a dental implant manufacturer. I literally just I learned so much there but more important really what I learned was the importance of continuing dental dental education and really the impact it had on on dentists and dentistry while i was at that job i met my career mentor and he really opened my eyes to the the power of education the impact on the dental professionals as well immediately i was really hooked on that from day 1 and i immersed myself into learning as much as possible you know as a non dentist my family thinks it's super strange that i enjoy participating <laughs> in ce events and stuff like that but Really, I love seeing what dentists are learning, how they're learning it, and ultimately, the most important is the impact it's having on their practice, the impact it's having on their patients. That's super, super exciting to me.
0: Yeah, really rewarding. So being involved with the implant manufacturer transition into the education, how many years have you been involved in sort of like the education aspect of, of the profession?
1: Yeah, so I've been involved for over 25 years really with dental education, and it's really ranked from implant dentistry to orthodontics to cosmetic dentistry to sleep really to to all aspects involved with dentistry so while it's been specific disciplines here at seattle study club really it involves an an interdisciplinary approach which is kind of the culmination of my career because here we discuss everything from oral surgery to perio to ortho to general dentistry to endo so really involves all the disciplines at looking at the patient from a real holistic standpoint and really providing that patient with the best that dentistry has to offer.
0: Right. Like you said, the pinnacle of your career being with Seattle Study Club right now in 25 years, you've seen a lot. What would be an observation if you're looking back and on how education has changed and maybe how dentists were gravitating or what their interests, how their interests change in what type of education they're pursuing and how they want that delivered?
1: Yeah, we've seen education really take some drastic turns, you know, from the days of the stand-up lecture with the three slide screens, which was really innovative at the time, back down to the single slide. Really what we're seeing now as a trend is instead of being in a lecture hall for those six to eight hours and not really learning much and just kind of sitting there, to really short bursts of education. So really what you're looking for today and what most dentists are gravitating towards is really shorter lectures that are highly, highly interactive. And what we found is, is in numerous studies is that when you do these short bursts of education, really that education sticks. So instead of being in the lecture hall for six hours where your mind tends to wander, you leave, and a lot of that education doesn't stick with you, what we're seeing now is the delivery of education in shorter bursts, call it 45 to 50 minutes, and really letting those concepts take hold but more important than that is having it be interactive, where I get to participate in that education. So I learn and I do and I see and I interact. That's really what we're seeing from from younger clinicians and older clinicians, to be quite honest with you, is that they want those short bursts of education that really stick and they're able to implement immediately. So education has taken a dramatic turn from you know sitting in a lecture hall to you know during the pandemic, sitting behind the computer really yeah. to interactive, hands-on, and, and really elevating the quality of education that dentists get today.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. That's really interesting. You described a lot about my experience attending, you know, CE throughout the years too, and those mass, mass rooms, right? And how many people you could, but it, I mean, it was great. You know, it was great at the time, but I think what I, I hear what you're saying is, is more of an intimate experience and kind of going in, you know, having the different educational modules, but kind of going in deep, So that the participants walk out with something that they thoroughly understand and they can implement in a, in a short period of time is that.
1: Yeah. So what we see is is exactly that it's the smaller, more intimate groups where really you get to test your knowledge, where you're with like-minded clinicians that really offer a support group to you as well. So that the learning never stops. So for example, you know, it's not like going to a trade show where you sit in a lecture, you go back to your practice and then Monday or Tuesday comes and you've forgotten about it. Really, with these smaller groups, it's kind of like a gym membership, right? If you have a gym buddy that goes with you, you're more than likely to continue going to the gym time after time and show up day after day. Mm-hmm. In a small group mm-hmm. settings, it's the same thing. Laura, I can keep you accountable to what we learn because we're learning together and it's continually learning. So, those smaller, intimate groups where we get to interact, where we get to participate, where we get to hold each other accountable, really is what we're seeing as far as education now and really creating that stickiness that creates the change in in the behavior within the practice and for the patients as well.
0: You know, I'm curious at Seattle Study Club, like how many people are coming through and having the opportunity to experience your educational platform and say like, you know, like yearly, what are you seeing like pre-pandemic and then now post, like how are things trending?
1: Yeah, what we saw during the pandemic is actually our clubs grew. So we have about 253 clubs throughout the world. So it's not just in the United States, it's, we've got clubs in India, China, Australia, Europe as well. We have over 6,000 members that participate in our clubs. And really what we saw was a really deep level of engagement, specifically during the pandemic, because. As most offices were shutting down, nobody knew where to turn. They didn't know where to turn for resources, for education. And I'm not talking specifically about dental education, but education on the virus. What are the financial impacts this is going to have on my practice? Where do I get PPE? We were able to provide those sort of resources for these practices, so that when they were able to open, they could start off a little bit faster than the average practice. Because as a community together, the six thousand members, they really network together to provide solutions to each other, rather than just Mm -hmm. an individual dentist going to their their rep and saying, "How do I get PPE?" You know, they could talk amongst their twenty five or thirty really close colleagues and say, "How are you dealing with this? How are you dealing with?" maybe a hygienist that doesn't want to come back. How are you dealing mm-hmm. with PPE issues? So all sorts of those issues they were able to talk kind of peer to peer for lack of better terms.
0: It just seems very natural that that would have happened, you know, at a local level and regionally there would have been, you know, just different challenges presented to people and and having that, you know, that vast footprint that you have, you could I don't know, take the power of being large but then have it really drill down to, you know, the nuances that that each area might have to deal with, it could be a little bit different, right? Something more available in one area, but you could really connect and help each other out.
1: Right. I, I think that's one of the, the best things with continuing dental education and the various institutes that are out there. So you can go to a lot of different institutes that are really, really great, but probably one of the most important things that people pull out of it is the lifelong friendships, the mentorships, the ability to communicate with people that are like-minded. So, you know, our, our world is so global today, whereas, you know, years ago it was, you, you you didn't really want to ask the person next to you because they may be competition, but today with our, our global economy, with our global education, really you have the world at your fingertips that you can ask people that are very similar in age to you, demographics as you, practice style as you, and they're usually going through those same issues and can really be a resource to each other as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that about dental too. It's just a very collaborative environment and and so many people want to help each other, right? On the lab side, as well as the clinician side too. Uh, You know, I'm curious, do you have any really, because I mean, it's what an opportunity to speak with you in in such a large organization and educational organization that you run. Do you have any statistics that, you know, share practice success rates pre and post continuing education, different income levels? I don't know. What, what kind of things do you measure and share for the Seattle Study Club members?
1: Sure. So we, we see a couple of different things. Really what we measure, obviously, one thing that's easy to measure is the financial results. So historically, what we've seen is that the Seattle Study Club member nets about 300000 more than the average ADA practice. And so a lot of times you have to ask the question, how is that even possible? What does that look like? So really what that means is because they're so involved in education and because they've dedicated themselves to you know, a lifelong journey of educating themselves, they're really comfortable doing elective procedures and they're doing a volume of elective procedures. So they've been able to differentiate their practice. They've been able to provide different patient services to their, their patients as well. And ultimately, what that does is it results in a financial impact for that practice. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic and post, what we've seen is that, you know, we, we haven't been able to measure the financial impact as of yet, but what we've seen is that a lot of these dentists, because they've invested in themselves from an education standpoint, from a technology standpoint, they've been able to come out and, and really hit the ground running a little bit faster post the shutdown. And really what they're doing is they're seeing patient volumes that are similar to pre-pandemic periods as well. So I think, you know, really what these dentists have done is because they've differentiated themselves, they've been able to get over the impact of the pandemic quicker than the average practice probably has.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, as far as the different learning modules that you have, what is the most popular? Like name, it seems that fills up quicker, sells out. You wish you had more space for it because there's a higher demand.
1: Yeah, there's probably two different paths on that. So the first one is really the core and essence of Seattle Study Club, and it's it's treatment planning. So what we do is we present a case. And you have all the specialties represented and really every single person looks at this case and tries to come up with an accurate diagnosis and treatment plan for that case these are always great sessions because you've got to use your your knowledge you've got to use your background you've got to involve every single specialist with that treatment and really it challenges the practitioner to take all those aspects together and a a perfect example of this is that we see is that as the dentists are treatment planning the case, they will literally have and say, you know, can I have a lab technician come over and look at this case with me? Here's what we want to do. How do we set this up so that you can restore it correctly? And it's Mm -hmm. so interesting because a lot of times the lab technician will say, listen, I can't restore to where you want to go. We need to make this adjustment and this adjustment to ensure success. So really that collaboration with the lab, with the oral surgeon, with the periodontist, with the orthodontist is so key and paramount to the final patient outcome. Um, and that's one one path that we're seeing high, high, high demand for because mm-hmm. um, it's just so interactive. The The other one that we see is for our symposium, which traditionally has always been a live in-person event. And this year we had to go. Virtual with the program, but we were able to deliver to over 3,500 people a really quality education program. And we expect again to have that fill up really quick. We're going to be doing that January 26th through 29th in person in Laguna Niguel, California, with really an amazing educational lineup. Some of the highest quality speakers that you'll ever see. Very interactive. Again, you don't just sit in the ballroom and listen, you actually participate in all the sessions with hands on with interactive programming. So we see those two areas as really the growth areas within Seattle Study Club.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's from the lab side, it's what we deal with every day, but you guys are doing it at such a large scale too. It's nice to see that you're paying a lot of attention in that, in that area and, and see the need. I'm so happy that you mentioned when the the upcoming symposium would be, because that location is actually one of my favorite locations to attend education. The AAED meets there has done that quite often. I love that location in January. It'll be beautiful. So I'll plan on attending as well. Great. Yeah. In person. Oh my goodness. In-person events. Like, I don't even know what that that is. Yeah, just, I think too, you know, from what we hear with a lot of young dentists coming out of school and then like, you know, you said there's there's dentists that maybe just want to reignite their education. What would be some of the kind of like the general thought process just from, you've been involved in this for so long and have a lot of experience, like how would you assess? Would it be location? Would it be interest level? Would it be a couple of different organizations? Like how would, how would you go through advising someone on how they should be making the decision of who? and where they choose to
1: attend education? That's a great question. You know, what I would always say is surround yourself with like-minded clinicians, clinicians that will always help you elevate, not only just in your clinical practice, but but also in life. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many great opportunities out there with the different institutions. What I'd recommend is decide what you want your practice to look like. Decide what you want your life to look like. Find a mentor or a group that you want to belong to that's always going to challenge you to be better. So, you need to dedicate yourself and make it a journey, okay? And and do it with people that will keep you accountable and help you along the way. The most important thing really is, is to do something that you're passionate about and never stop the learning. If you look at some of the most successful dentists uh, in the world, they've never stopped learning. They continually learn. So it's not about one institution or it's not about one philosophy. They continue mm-hmm. to challenge themselves to become better by learning different philosophies, by exposing themselves to different things, finding out what works in their practice, networking with other like-minded clinicians to say, hey, Laura, what's working in your practice? How do I incorporate that into my practice? So to me, it's not necessarily about the location. It's more about being where you want to be with clinicians that are are very like-minded that can help you along this journey as well.
0: That's really good advice. and, And looking at it from that perspective, I think is important because it's not one and done, definitely. And it's it's the support group that you end up connecting with that will will help you as as you move forward, right? With what you've been exposed to. I have a question. I'm wondering this. So we've seen tremendous amount of acceleration in certain areas of dentistry post-pandemic. So it was happening before, but now it's happening at just a, a greater speed. And that's the adaption to digital dentistry from the lab side, but it's also from the clinician side too. The, like the, the percentage of digital iOS files that we're seeing is is incredible. And it's, you know, we're, we're getting involved with printing and digital dentures and all kinds of really cool stuff on the material side. How do you incorporate digital learning there?
1: Yeah. I think it's a really great yeah, question. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what we see is, you know, of our membership for Seattle Study Club members, over 62% have adopted the intraoral scanner into their practice, which is, is a wow, high percentage. Wow, that's good.
0: That's really yeah. high. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what we saw pre-pandemic was, you know, we've kind of ca- passed this chasm of the early adopters within Seattle Study Club. And really what we're seeing is people trying to optimize their intraoral scanners now. So what does that look like? It looks like you know a more complete digital workflow within the practice where, like you said, they're starting to print different materials, starting to work on that. They're looking at other options of how to really optimize their intraoral scanner, bringing it into the hygiene department as well. So getting a second, a third, sometimes a fourth scanner as well just mm-hmm. really incorporated it into their practice and into that workflow. From an educational standpoint, we partner with a lot of the different manufacturers to bring education to our members so they know, what should I be looking for? What is the complete set? And to look at the bigger picture of, okay, if I have an intraoral scanner, how does it fit into my whole ecosphere? How does it fit into my workflow? So we have a lot of education surrounding digital workflows. And not that we expect everyone to go out and immediately buy everything they need, but at least to expose them to what's possible, what to Mm -hmm. look for, you know, and what the future unholds as well. Because as you know, from a lab standpoint, the materials that you're able, you know, to mill in the lab now are unbelievable. If you look at some of the innovations from the manufacturers, dentures, printed dentures are Mm -hmm. unbelievably great now. So while a lot of people didn't want to do dentures, now they're seeing how reliable they can be, how aesthetic they can be, how durable they can be, and and really how few adjustments you have to make on you know a, a printed denture at this point. So that technology has really evolved. And to me, it's pretty fascinating of what a dentist can do in office, how they can improve the communication with the lab, and ultimately how they get that final restoration or that final denture or whatever it is back in, in a way that you know, really causes less chair time and less fixes that have to occur intraorally.
0: Oh, you know what, you, I know it, it's actually a really exciting time in dentistry. I know from my experience, it was always on the fixed side, but the removable is is really exciting for us now too, because you, like you just mentioned, you know, fewer appointment times for the patients, a better fit and, you know, a progressive lab can really help. The dentist get more information on how to work in within these digital workflows. And it's really exciting. And I, I know it's only going to get better. It's great now. And it's just exciting to see where it's going to go. And it, it's nice to be able to to hear that this is a real big part of, of your future there as well. Good, good to share good, good information. Anything else before we wrap up? See, I'm, I'm already thinking about doing a follow up with you. I want to get more information.
1: I think really the thing is, you know, I've been able throughout my career to see You know, and develop so many relationships with dentists, with people in the industry. So, really, what I would say is make a commitment to continuous dental education. It's so important. So, it's not just about completing one course, it's really that constant journey of continually making yourself better, surrounding yourself with people that will continue to make you better as well. And, you know, always learn. I I think one of the best investments a dentist can make is in themselves. And Mm -hmm. that investment is in, Continued education. I know I'm a little bit bullish on it, but it's just because the people I surround myself with, you know, they do 100 plus hours of continued education. They're the happiest. They're the ones that are the most successful. And really, they're the ones that provide really great patient care and enjoy providing that care. And that makes them extremely happy
0: great, great ending note that I think is resonating with all of us. Um, Mike, thank you so much for being with us today. And we just look forward to speaking to you again soon and uh, seeing you in person as well. Thanks for your time.
1: Thanks for having me, Laura.
0: Take care. Bye.
1: You've been listening to the Smiles Matter podcast, created by Microdental and Modern Dental Laboratories. For more information, you can go to our website, www.microdental.com slash smilesmatterpodcast. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are available. Thank you for listening, because we believe that smiles matter.